I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Florida week went about like it usually does time. Doesn't mean the whole season's overtime. If lessons are learned from Florida time, lots and lots to discuss coming into a big week time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a very sunny, very beautiful, very pleasant Monday afternoon here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. How are you out there? Hope you're well. Hope everything in your weekend other than the Tennessee-Florida game was sunshine and rainbows. Hope everything in your life is going about as well as it can during the era in which we're living. Sunday, aside from the Cubs-Cardinals going the wrong way, was just a wonderful, wonderful sports day, by the way. A lot of things went right for once. It was a very, very good sports day, aside from Cubs-Cards, which I don't really want to talk about. But y'all don't want to hear me talk about any of that. You want to hear us talk Tennessee football, which is what we're going to do in this episode. So, of course, we're going to go down to the Blunt County, not the Blunt County Satellite Office. We did that after the game. Let's go to an undisclosed location which is not Blount County. I'll say that much. It's not Blount County. An undisclosed location here in the East Tennessee, Knoxville metropolitan area, the one, the only Patrick Brown. Pat, what's up, man? Glad you're back. Well, it, it was going great until you thought I lived in Blount County. Fool, I don't live in Blount County. Only fools do. Yeah, only idiots do. Only Like only, Grant Ramey. Only idiots on our staff go live out there in Blount County, down there uh, away from – the what uh, yeah 20 minutes or so away from from knoxville not the worst thing in the world good schools but uh grant's an idiot so we're gonna make fun of him yeah and if you are listening from this and you live in blunt county we apologize that you have to share uh a county with grant ramey yeah i hope osmosis doesn't make you dumber i hope like association proximity i hope it doesn't affect anything in your life having to be anywhere contact high right yeah to that guy you know it's uh it's like uh it's like secondhand smoke, except for idiocy, basically. I hope I hope it's nothing like that. Pat, how was your uh, how was your weekend? How was the travel? Glad you got back. You know, I, I told everybody on Saturday night why for road games this season we're only sending one guy because SEC protocol for COVID means that every post game interview for road teams is is done by Zoom. So that means that we just need one person in the stadium to get the feel for it there because more than that would be a waste of money. So we just sent you. How was it? How do you think Tennessee looked compared to what you thought? Uh, it was good. You know, I uh, hadn't been to Gainesville since Tennessee was there last time. Um, it, it's an open-air box, so uh, the, you, you get a feel. You actually feel like you're at the game. It's very loud at that stadium, um, and it was loud throughout the game. 
Um, and I thought, I thought Tennessee handled the environment. Okay. They had a couple of pre-snap penalties there right before halftime. I don't know that that was necessarily noise noise related, but, um, certainly that is, uh, it's a tough environment to play in. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth on what I thought of the game itself. You know, in the moment, it kind of felt like a pretty humbling loss for Tennessee, right? Like it felt like, uh, they were dominated pretty good for the second half. Uh, and then, you know, I kind of thought about some more. I was like, you know, they did some good things. You know, if a couple of plays go differently, uh, you know, if, if Hendon Hooker doesn't miss the, you know, the throw to Jacob Warren, um, if they don't have a bad snap when they have guys open on a third down, if they, you know, Jimmy Callaway makes that play uh, and, and catches that pass, he's got at least got a first down and, and possibly scores. Uh, if those some of those plays and maybe you get a third down stop defensively, you can see where the, the game gets closer on the scoreboard. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, Florida just – they kind of – they weren't flashy and they still won comfortably. And, and they comfortably look like the better team. Uh, they're very methodical um, and really kind of wore Tennessee down. And uh, something that I wrote in, in my takeaways after the game that, Heupel, that, that Josh Heupel mentioned is that uh, these other teams have guys that make plays, right? Yeah. Tennessee doesn't have enough of those guys that just make plays. And, and sometimes that's, you know – uh, and sometimes Tennessee doesn't make the easy play, right? And, yeah, and they're yeah, not at a point in, a, in this program where they can overcome that plus penalties, all that stuff. Um, so um, it, it kind of uh, – and Florida probably didn't have their two best guys. You know, Kair Elam, Elam didn't play. The cornerback the was probably their top NFL prospect. And uh, I'll go ahead and go on record and say I think Anthony Richardson is better than Emory Jones. And I know that Emory Jones is just the SEC Offensive Player of the Week and – had a great game against Tennessee, but I still think you'd rather face him than, than Richardson. Uh, just based on limited viewing, I think that guy is elite uh, potential. Um, but Tennessee didn't have to face him, and um, I just, you know, they, they Florida didn't really have to, to get out of maybe third gear uh, and really dominated the second half of that game. And, and if you really want to look at it from Florida's standpoint, they're saying, you know, they gave up two long touchdowns. But other than that, what did Tennessee's offense really do other than those two big plays and maybe the stretch in the, in the first drive of the third quarter where they pretty much ran it down Florida's throat. That was really the extent of the sustained or, you know, the biggest success that Tennessee had on offense. They didn't score in the second half, which is never good. Had a couple of snafus. You have a, a situation with nine guys on the field for a punt. You have the situation at the end of the first half where you got to manage the clock better. I think uh, you have two timeouts left that you sit on that, you know, maybe you get another play there at the end or, uh, you know, what have you. So that, you know, they just, this team just sort of misses some opportunities and they don't make some plays. And the third down defense isn't good enough because they can't get up the quarterback and they can't really hold up a man coverage. So they have to play a lot of zone and all that kind of stuff. And um, it, it felt like in the moment, the gap between the two teams was significant. Like, and that, that's not really a surprise. Tennessee was a three touchdown underdog. So, um, but shifting it forward now, this game against Missouri and this next two games really with South Carolina, that these are the games that really are going to find define Tennessee season. Right. And we all thought that going in, it would be the toss up games. They already let one get away against Pitt. The games against Florida, Alabama, Georgia, those games weren't, everybody knew coming in, those probably weren't going to go well. It didn't go well the other night. Tennessee played well for about a half to stay in the game. And then it was Florida kind of squeezed the life out of them uh, slowly and, and kind of thoroughly. But it's this game now and South Carolina after it that if you can get these two, then you know you're at four wins and you know you've got South Alabama and Vanderbilt at the end of the year, which you should win. Yeah. So that's why these games are big. That's the, it, This is the bigger game 
to me than Florida. Um, and, and if you're Tennessee, I think it should be easier to hit the reset button because you know that this is a game that, uh, while Missouri on its good day can probably beat you and it not be maybe not that close, maybe by double digits, this is a Missouri team that that is there for the taking if, if Tennessee plays well and, and they've got to go up to Columbia and play well. Yeah, I think that – and just as a heads up, we're, we're, we're going to discuss – I know quarterbacks are always a discussion and there's, there's many more questions about that going into this week. We will get into that to start the second segment because uh, there were some other things from Florida I think we needed to polish up first and, and talk about some other things before we could sort of set the deck uh, for that to get it going in the second, uh, ses- second session, second segment, whatever word you want to use. My thought on that Florida game, I'll say this as quickly as I can, it has not changed tremendously from the way I felt after the game, which was, uh, to me, it, when there are there are plays that you can talk about that you should have made, and then there's plays that you just have to make. And, and we're talking probably 15 or so plays in the game that Tennessee could have done something a little better than what it did. But there were – if you just take two plays, I'll, I'll, I'll just take two plays. If you make a 47-yard field goal, which we all know McGrath is very capable of making, and then Jimmy Callaway just catches that ball on that fourth down pass, I think he scores. Uh, I don't know that for certain. We'll never know. But the way he runs, I think he scores. If just those two plays, which are plays you have to make, if you make those two plays, Tennessee is sitting there – with five or six minutes left in the third quarter, the score is tied. And despite that, they still have more total yards than Florida. I still think Florida wins the game in the final 20 minutes. I think Florida's depth, I think Florida's methodical nature, as Pat alluded to, I think those things, I don't think the outcome of the game in terms of who wins and who loses would have changed. But I really, if Tennessee had just, I'm not even talking about the overthrow that Hooker made to Warren on that kind of back, that, that sort of wheel route or whatever that was across the field. He had been rushed a little bit. He had to get flushed out of the pocket. Those things happen. I, I'm talking about just catching that ball and making that kick. You do those two things, you're right there. And then you've got Florida with a lot of pressure. You've got Florida worried about some things. I think Heupel was was scheming guys into space all night long offensively. They had opportunities. I, I, I think Hendon Hooker is a better thrower when you have to worry about the run. I, I don't think those things would have changed the outcome of the game. But my general thought was slightly leaned a little bit more toward glass half full because you saw that at least in the first two-thirds of that game, Tennessee's right there with Florida physically, and that was better than I thought it would be. So that all the things that Tennessee did wrong in that game, or most of them, were things that Tennessee absolutely positively can control. Like, you can control whether you make a field goal uh, if the protection's good. You, you know, you can control whether when you're in wide open space, thanks to a really nice pick route that wasn't really a pick route from, from Cedric Milton, and if Callaway catches that ball, you can catch that ball. Uh, maybe you can say draw that player for Valus Jones because you feel better about his hands or his nerves in that situation, but whatever. Those are little things. Tennessee is capable going into the, the, the second half or the last two-thirds of this schedule. There are a couple games out there that are bad. There are bad matchups for Tennessee. We all know what they are, Bama, Georgia. 
And I still think while Tennessee can score points on Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss can score a ton of points on Tennessee playing in space the way they do. So those are three games. Just going to be hard to get anything out of those games. Those other five games, if Tennessee will just clean up the dumb stuff, they are right there with at least a good chance to win all of those games. And that is not something I necessarily would have predicted early in the season. So now the question is, can Tennessee stop doing those dumb things? And I don't know, Pat. I I don't know because sometimes a team can improve some of those things throughout the year, get more experience, figure out what works, what doesn't, but get better combinations out there. But sometimes teams just don't have that it quality about them. And I don't know which one it is with Tennessee. I don't know if they're just going to wake up to tomorrow, flip a switch, and they're going to start they're going to stop doing dumb things. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think they just need more dudes, man. Like they they don't uh you know, they need guys that you, you can, you know, and maybe they have some of those guys coming out, right? Like Javante Payton's got a cup, you know, got touchdowns the past two mm-hmm. weeks. His speed is obviously something they can do. Jacob Warren's a guy they've used a lot in the passing game. I still think they need to get Valus Jones more involved. Um, you know, we, we saw what the run game looked like with uh, the offensive line back to full health for most of the game and both Tyon Evans and Jabari Small. It looked much better. Yes. I mean, there was a stretch in the third quarter where they were just running it down Florida's throats, and there's nothing for to do about it. Um, you know, Evans and, and Small were running hard. You know, Small is really banged up with his shoulder. Um, but, I mean, his his second carry, I think he, he got out in the open and, and he, he – he put his shoulder down over defender and got about five more yards mm-hmm. falling forward. So, you know, obviously the tempo was better with Cooper Mays, who uh, like small is just gutting it out. Right. Um, there's a few guys on this team that are, that are playing through some pain. Um, and so, you know, Evans does, does a great job on the screen pass and, and they both had shovel passes that were made, you know, that were went for nice gains, but, um, you, you can talk about the plays Tennessee didn't make, and, and some of the plays that they made were a lot of their yards, right? I mean, they finished with 423, uh, you know, 60-something of it came. More than Bama. Last minute. That, that's significantly more than Bama had against Florida. Well, I mean, you're also talking, you know, if we want to get into transitive property, college football will be here all day. Sure, sure. Um, I agree. But, you know, you know, they had 68 plays, and they had 120, 150-something, 160, 160-something yards on – three of them between the two touchdown passes and, and Bayless Jones got loose late for like a 40 yard gain. So, um, you know, it's just, and it felt like in the stadium, it felt like Florida could do whatever it wanted on, on offense and it was going to work. I mean, and in the second half, they didn't even really need to throw the ball because they were just running it right at Tennessee. The linebackers were, you know, getting blocked all night. The, you know, the defensive line was getting split. They weren't tackling in the second and third levels. Um, they're really struggling at the safety spots, and, and Badly. teams are going to continue to to Badly go at, struggling there. Teams are going to continue to go at Jalen McCullough and Trayvon Flowers, and and they're going to continue continue to try to get the linebackers in coverage, uh, which happened a couple times. Um, and I know everybody wants to see the the young safeties, but they put Christian Charles in there for a third down, and he gave you know, he was not even close to stopping uh, the running back on on the slant route for the conversion. So. Uh, and, and Willie Martinez, he, you know, they're going to trust those veterans in the secondary for as long as they possibly can. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what the point is where they go to those other guys, but, um, you know, the linebacker play, they're just, they're kind of, 
And those, those guys were just – they were not reacting fast. Uh, I remember a play early in the game where it's a third down in the red zone. You get a stop there. That's a big play in this game. If, if you can hold to a field goal, those are four-point plays, those third downs in scoring territory, right? Yes. Um, Tim Banks, I think, has a great call. They drop into coverage, which you should do in the red zone because, obviously, there's if you have more bodies there, the spaces are a lot tighter. Uh, and it's not as big a deal as if, if you can't hold up in coverage because there's less ground to cover. But you know, I think they have Juwan Mitchell spying Emory Jones, and he just can't – you know, Jones gets out of the pocket, and, and Mitchell just can't run him down. Takes a bad angle, can't get him down. Jones gets the, gets the first down, and they score three plays there. Those, those are big plays in the game where, you know, at, at some point Tennessee needs – guys particularly on defense that can go make plays uh alante taylor will we'll give him credit he made a play right in the second quarter that was a, a, a it really felt like danger zone at that time because tennessee was down 17 14 florida had the momentum they had the football after the 30 yard penalty situation um it felt like they were going to do what florida does and what florida i think did in this game last year where they score up for half score out of the half and the game is blown open um, and, and Taylor made that play to stop the bleeding and, and Tennessee missed a chance to go down and, and get points off of it. But then they give up the, I mean, it, you know, Florida came out and, and scored on both its opening drives of the game. And, and so it just felt like, uh, it felt like the, the gap was, uh, maybe I don't, you know, sometimes it felt like the, the gap was bigger on the scoreboard until Florida scored late to really kind of put some gloss on it. But, um, go, but these next two games though, it, like you said, if Tennessee's able to clean up some of this stuff, uh, they'll give themselves a chance. Um, now they kind of are what they are on defense, right? Yes, they are. What these they guys, are. these playmakers that they don't that they have, they don't they just, they have to find a way to kind of suffer through it. You know what I mean? It's almost like death by a thousand paper cuts. Just and that's why I think you see Tennessee play a lot of zones because they're trying not to give anything cheap. They're going to say, okay, we'll let you drive down the field. I mean, Florida had drives. Six plays, 78 yards, eight, eight plays, 70 yards, 12 plays, 80 yards. Like You want to make a team execute for over eight to 10 plays. And if you score, that's fine. But we're not going to give anything up cheap. And and, and so um, that that's just kind of what they do because they, they don't have anybody that's just going to beat somebody one-on-one and get to the quarterback right now. Byron Young is not there yet. Tyler Barron is there, but he's kind of beat up. Um so, you know, they don't have anybody in the middle yet that's, you know, can consistently win a matchup and go get the quarterback when they rush four. Um, and then they do bring pressure. They, they struggle at the safety spots to hold up in coverage. They struggle at linebacker to hold up in coverage if those guys are there. Um, and so that's – they're kind of just having to survive on defense. On offense, though, they, they have to start making these plays that are there. Um, and especially in these games, we saw the, the missed opportunities against Pittsburgh that came back to bite them. They, you, we saw the missed opportunities in the Florida game. It might not have changed the outcome, but it certainly would have changed the process to the outcome. Right. I mean, if you, if you get that game in the fourth quarter as a 20 point underdog, that's all you can ask for. Right. Yeah. Give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter. And so, um, if Tennessee's going to beat these teams that they are maybe on a more level playing field in terms of talent, um, then, they're, they're going to have to start doing some of the things, like you said, that they haven't done uh, in these past couple games. And uh, can they go do it? That's the question. And we won't really find out until Saturday. Yeah, my last point here before we go to break is that I I agree that that they, you know, it, it, it should go without saying, but we'll go ahead and say it, that offensively they just need to stop doing dumb stuff. They need to 
make the plays that are there in front of them because this is a very good offensive coaching staff. They are going to find weaknesses in the defense. They are going to wrong foot the other coordinator. They are going to get you into space, and they're going to give you an opportunity to make plays. They, that's this, that's clear this, on film, I think. Yeah, they, they, they are very good at play design and picking out when the best time to call them is. And something I have noticed is that if a play works, they'll go back to it. Oh yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes, saw, sometimes immediately, like the very next play. Saw it with the Pittsburgh game where they had at least three or four plays that they used that were open or worked, and the first half went back to it. You know, we saw the shovel pass a couple times where it's you know that's a nice design. They did some things where they you know Florida's going to play press, so you run a stack at, out there and, and create a natural pick. I mean. That stuff's there. They just gotta gotta throw and catch, right? And I gotta stop doing dumb penalties. Yeah, well, that that was half my last point, but the other half of it is that I, I think offensively, I see things that could very much be a lot better in just a snap of a finger if guys will just make plays that are there. That's the the good news, if you want to call it good news. The bad news is that defensively. I think they're hurting like we all thought they, they would be hurting. They, they are doing a pretty good job scheming things up uh, when, in kind of comparable talent games. They've done a nice job sort of holding up, limiting yardage. But when you need to be good, you know, that Alante Taylor play on the when he started the mower there and forced that turnover, that was a rare thing for this defense because that, that technically wasn't a red zone drive because it, that was a play that, that, that started outside the red zone. But this season, Tennessee's defense has allowed opponents into the red zone 13 times. 13 times the opponent has scored. That's last nationally. They don't have a single stop in the red zone all year long. And what's even worse, they're 93rd nationally, and I believe 9 or 10 of those 13 possessions have gone to the end zone. So they are not making plays when you absolutely need to make plays, when you're backed up against it. You know, and and, and – I see a lot of problems when an opposing quarterback breaks contain, gets out of the pocket. These linebackers, by and large, are just not athletic enough to go read and react and make that play consistently. And they get into a lot of trouble because when the pass rush doesn't keep the quarterback in the pocket, nothing good happens for this Tennessee defense. They just don't have the closing speed to go in there from the linebackers and from some of those other edge guys. They don't have the speed to go make that play in the open field. They don't react quite fast enough either, and that is a huge problem that I think is going to be there all season long if a quarterback has some athleticism. He's just going to get out of the pocket, and he's going to have a lot of room to run because you can't leave your man until he gets past the line of scrimmage, right? You just can't do it because then he can dunk it right over your head. You've got to rely on your linebackers and your edge guys to – to get something going there and to get out there and to make a play in space. And they just don't do that. Emory Jones could have run for 300 yards if he wanted to, I think, in that game it felt like. As soon as he got outside the pocket, it was done. Kenny Pickett did the same thing to Tennessee. He just threw it more when he got out there. Uh, That's going to be a problem because you get into those – you know, if you run right out of Tennessee a couple times, you'll get into third and six, third and five, and you're feeling like, okay, Tennessee's going to get off the field here. And then the quarterback just breaks out of the pocket and runs right past the sticks and slides. And it's just a killer, man. You know what I'm talking about? It's just a killer. Well, it's to me, the big thing on defense is third downs. They got to, they got to get better on, on, on those chances to go off the field. I think what happened Saturday night is Florida was getting positive gains on first and second down. So, I mean, I, I look at the numbers. I don't have them in front of me. I think I mentioned them in the report card. Florida was, 
they had, I think, 14 third downs, and I think on eight of them it was four yards or less. I mean, when you have third and those manageable situations, you have the whole playbook open in some cases because you can either go – you can either throw it, you can run it, you can, you know, take a shot if you want to and, and maybe come back and go forward on fourth and four, and that, that's a tough place to be in as defense because – you know, if you get them in third and eight, you know they got to throw the ball. That that you can play call differently and do those things. When you're uh, when it's third and five, third and four, it's you're you're also you're still kind of in that survival mode where you don't want to give up a home run, but it, it's tough to play defense that way. So, and that's where they need you know some coaches call them erasers, guys yes. that go make a play. Yes, they don't have those. They don't really have those guys at linebacker. They don't have those guys off the edge yet. Um, and, and they haven't gotten that play from from the safeties, and uh, that that's that's something that obviously is going to need to change uh, starting these next couple of weeks. It, it will be different though from his for Tennessee this week because Connor Bazelak is not the kind of runner that Emory Jones or Kenny Pickett is. Correct. Um, but Missouri still has some some good playmakers. They still got some some pretty good wide receivers, and Tyler Beatty is a really you know he's a guy that that is a potential matchup nightmare for for this team because. Uh, if you're Eli Drinkwitz, I mean, you're you're probably salivating to get him matched up with safeties and, and linebackers against Tennessee. So, um, and then you know, next week South Carolina, I think Luke Doty can run, but that offense certainly doesn't really instill a whole lot of fear in anybody right now. But, uh, but yeah, that that's these these are two games that I think are really huge in, in terms of determining what this Tennessee season is going to look like. Yeah, in the big picture. yeah. On Thursday, we're gonna have to talk about Tyler Beatty and uh, more because I think he's he might get the ball 30, 35 times in this game as a runner or receiver. So he's gonna be a guy Tennessee's gonna have a lot of trouble with. But you know what? Uh, I think Tennessee. I think most of us agree that, that that answers right now are easier to conjure offensively than defensively. Defensively, they just kind of got they got to develop some guys, man. They 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 got to go recruit and and with what they've got now. They got to find something that works a little bit better because they they just don't have Jimmys and Joes over there right now. Not as many as they need. Offensively, they could use a few more, but they're okay with what they've got. I think um, defensively, they, they they got a lot of work to do. But speaking of Tennessee's offense, uh, a lot of that good work means nothing uh, if you don't have a good situation at quarterback. And and we know Tennessee's going to at least going into this week, at least publicly speaking, Tennessee has another long series of questions at quarterback, really important ones and things that we do have to discuss for many reasons. And we will do that after we step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, ad services, and we'll be back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location here on a beautiful, beautiful Monday afternoon here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. Not even sure there's a cloud in the sky today. Beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, and lots to be thankful about and, and lots that we can discuss that may not be quite so bad. So it's good to remember that sometimes. Talking Tennessee football on this episode, we're going to dive right into the quarterback situation here in just a second after I give you a quick reminder that if you could take about 90 seconds out of your day right now, go in and rate and review this podcast, that would help us a lot. If you're just listening on the website, nothing wrong with that. We, we love you. No wrong way to listen to this podcast. But what would really help us is if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the Fawn Pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. And if you go in there and rate and review and hit that subscribe button, that helps us out a lot. Uh, we do this for free, labor of love. We're happy to do it. Uh, but the one thing that we ask is that you go in there and do that, and that will be all that we ask of you. Please, please, please go do that. That would help us a good bit. That'll help us keep these numbers growing like they have since we started this thing years ago. And it's been a fun ride and we're going to keep making it better. Uh, might even add some video down the road. I think we got some other ideas that we're kicking around, some things that we can do moving forward. But it's been a fun ride so far. It's going to only get more enjoyable. Uh, but it, the, the more that y'all will rate and review and subscribe, the better we can make this thing. It just makes more sense for everyone. Pat, Tennessee is going into this week with uh, questions at quarterback, uh, not for the first time this season, not for the last time. Uh, it just seems like Tennessee is going to have to wait a while before there is a guy that you go, yep, he's the quarterback. He's the guy going into every week. He's the he's the team leader. He, he's the first name on the team sheet. He's the guy who you, you build the thing around. Don't have that right now. They're working on it. Hendon Hooker did some good things in that game at Florida, starting in place of a banged-up Joe Milton the third. And then Hendon Hooker himself got dinged up pretty good. Uh, he, he looks like his leg and his noggin both took a pretty good lick there, which I think probably was a legal hit, but it was close. Um, you know, on that Flea Ficker play that, that uh, as Tyler Bray so eloquently put uh, on Twitter, well, that didn't go the way you want. Uh, so a lot of things did not go well on that play. So then Joe Milton III comes back in. Of course, he overthrows a couple passes, which means people are just jumping on him more and more and more. And then we spoke with Josh Heupel earlier today, just a couple hours ago, and he basically uh, said what he always says, which is that apparently the trainer never tells him anything because he doesn't quite know where Hendon Hooker is right now. He'll see later in the week. Uh, he'll say well, he's, I, he says I, he'll update us. I, I don't know if he will. I, I thought he was more forthcoming than he had been, but maybe I'm crazy. Uh well, he he said yeah. that he said Hooker's not in the not in concussion protocol. Which, if that's true, that's good news. Yes, um, and, and even if he was, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to everybody. Jalen Hyatt had a concussion; he played the next week. So, um, but those situations obviously have to be handled delicately, and it's case by case, what, yes. whatever, all that stuff. Um, Heifel, he said one of the things that we've heard him say a lot is that the strength of a position can't be one guy, and. We have seen Tennessee's depth tested already through four games at several positions, right? Um, and yeah. this is a team that doesn't have a lot of depth. You know, I think they've been okay in the secondary. And other than Juwan Mitchell missing Tennessee Tech, they've been okay at linebacker. Um, and they've probably been okay on the defensive line just because they have a lot of guys there. But, um, you know, running back, offensive line, quarterback, they've had guys banged up. They've had guys out. 
you know, receiver, if you want to throw Bayless Jones and Jimmy Callaway, both had stuff in the preseason that, that hampered their, you know, how ready they were going into the season. So, um, and, and, you know, isn't Milton, is it hooker? Uh, it, it may not, it, it may be whoever's available, whoever's healthy. Cause um, that, that's what it's been since, since Milton got hurt against Pittsburgh, he's not really been available. Um, and then now hookers hurt. And, and based on what, Heupel said today, I mean, I literally asked him, with two quarterbacks banged up, is this a big week for Harrison Bailey? And Heupel didn't even mention Bailey as the answer. So that that should tell you plenty uh, about where they kind of view that situation. Yeah, we're, we're, um, discussing uh, the, we're, we're discussing the two quarterbacks who weren't discussion right now. And, and, I, and this is after Heupel came out Saturday night after the, the loss at Florida and said, yeah, we didn't really want to play Milton in this game because it's not healthy and he didn't practice enough in the week. Yet in a 17-point game with eight minutes to go, they throw him out there instead of Bailey. So that that speaks volumes more than any any input we could, you know, any discussion about Harris Bailey that we could have right now. So. Um, it, it, it sounds like what Heupel said today that Milton, if Hooker can't go, it'll be Milton and, and that he's continuing to get healthier. And, um, I think they've said it was an ankle injury. I don't know if it's an ankle injury. Um, but it, it didn't seem like his ankle got hurt on that play when he got hurt. So, um, it's yeah, just it seemed to me like more of a noggin. The noggin might be the bigger concern maybe, but I'm talking get... about Milton, not, Ho- not Hooker. Oh yeah, no, I, I can tell you. Yeah, Milton, um, Milton. I think I thought it was a knee, um, but I, I could be wrong about that. I, I, I just I remember if you watched, you know, Joe Milton just kind of in and around the complex last week, he looked like a guy who was still laboring. He he, he was walking a little bit gingerly, kind of like, you know, once you reach about a certain age, and I'm learning for me, it's like 38, where sometimes you just kind of limp a little bit. Something's sore. Something's bothering you. He was walking like that last week. When I saw him walking around Monday, I did not notice it. Uh, so he has he, – he did have a leg injury of some kind, and it, it is getting better. So I can confirm that yeah. just by the eyeball test. But, you know, it just becomes a question of how healthy is Joe Milton, how healthy is Hendon Hooker, which one of them gives you a better chance on Saturday maybe. Well, it, and and Heibel said that the fact that Milton played and will continue to get better makes them think that he'll be ready to go at the weekend. Um, and, you know, that's the question. If And eventually it's going to come down to practice, too. If Booker, he might be available to play, but he also might not practice till Wednesday or Thursday and not get a full kind of workload during the week. And that obviously is going to impact the, the situation as well. Um, I I'm not putting any stock in what Milton did at the end of the game. That's just me. I mean, he's not healthy. He didn't get a lot of practice reps, and it's garbage time, more or less. I mean, it was 38-14 other than maybe one passing through. So um, I, I'm not putting too much stock. I know everybody pretty much hates him, right? I mean, is that is that being too general? No, it's not. Generalized? And, and I came out there, and, and people got really upset and again. And I came out Saturday night, and I said, listen, guys, the way that you are treating Joe Milton after – still less than six quarters of action is patently ridiculous. Uh, you know, you can, you can make criticism about things. I don't see a lot of criticism about hookers, hookers turnovers, which are there and they're an issue. And that's something that, that needs to be corrected. Don't and hear he a lot a good about job that. of taking care of the ball. Yes. Yes, he did. So yes. Credit he did. To Hinden. Yeah. If they're both healthy right now, 
I think Hooker is is the guy. But with that said, the I've said this for for a long time. If Joe Milton can get things squared away, and it's a big if, if he can, the upside there is astronomical. And so I, I think the way people are, I don't want to say disrespecting. I mean, social media is built for for disinformation and for disrespect and for all sorts of bad things. That's just what it is. But I still think just, you know, driving around in the car during the week, listening to people call into talk shows, you know, listening to other podcasts, monitoring other things. I just, the, the discussion on Joe Milton is so much nastier than it needs to be in terms of what we've actually seen from him. I, I, I just, I, to me, it doesn't translate at all. He's had some overthrows. He's got to correct some things, uh, but he also has been pretty good at times. And we've only seen six quarters of him. Like if you take out the quarter and a half or whatever uh, of the one game and then, you know, half of a quarter in garbage time against Florida, we're still talking six quarters and change tops. And we're making I mean, all the guy, these accusations, all these assertions about who he is as a player. I don't get it at all. The guy has less than 200, uh, 200 career pass attempts. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Gary Tano had 166 last season. So he's played, and that was in seven games. So he's played less than a, you know, he's a less than a season's amount of passing attempts in his career. Plus, he's played six quarters, like you said, in this offense. Like, he may not be the guy, and there are a lot of red flags that make you think he's not, but sure. I still think it's too early. Um, and, and Tennessee might be in a situation that they don't have choice because it's pretty clear that, that there's Hooker and Milton, and then there is, to quote Moneyball, 50 feet of crap. And then there's Harrison Bailey, who doesn't appear to be a factor right now for whatever reason. I know there's some chatter out there that he wants to redshirt and all that. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if there's any veracity to that. Um, but I mean, he's a kid who know, has some ability, and if he wants to redshirt, I think that makes a lot of sense for him, no matter what his future is. So that 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 makes but sense. The point is, is they have two banged up quarterbacks right now. So whatever his plan is, he's got to forget about that because he may be one snap away from. From, from being in the game on Saturday. And he may be, you know, they got four more SEC games until they get an open date and some extra time to get some guys healthy. So, uh, you know, when Milton went down and against Pitt and, you know, Hooker came in and it felt like Hooker was the guy, it was like there's still probably a decent chance that Milton will have a say in how Tennessee season goes. And based on what Heupel said on Monday, it's like, okay, they, you know, if Hooker's status is already up in the air and he's willing to say that now, when he's normally been like, I'm not saying anything about injuries, that makes me think that I would say Hooker's probably doubtful at this point, right? Or am I reading too much into it? No, I, I, I'm, I think it's fair to, to say questionable at best, I think is a fair way to put it. I mean, and, you know, if, 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 and, if, the, if there were a line between questionable and doubtful, if there were a word, uh, you know, strongly questionable, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it's possible that he plays, but based on – the, the small sample size we've got with Hypel, I think that's fair to say. And, and so, and if Hooker's not the guy, it's going to be Milton. So if they're both healthy, I don't know who the choice is. I, I've, I've said before, I think Hooker might give this team its best chance to win at this point, uh, but Milton might give this offense, it's, still might give this offense its most upside. But until he goes out there and actually does it, it's just potential. Um, and, 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 you know, they, they've, you know, Hooker's, done pretty well i mean you look at his numbers he's got over 600 passing yards mm-hmm. seven touchdowns just one interception 
that was a costly interception and he's got a couple fumbles in there, but he was a guy that didn't throw a lot of interceptions at Virginia tech. Um, and I, I don't recall him almost getting one picked off uh, against Florida and how, you know, how different is this night? If, if he gets what three throws back, let's, let's throw the Warren one back. That was on him. And that was a tough throw though. Cause he was sort of hemmed in on the opposite side of the pocket and had to throw all the way to, to the field. Um, then the, the play to Callaway, which, um, was it slightly behind him? It still hit him in the hands. Um, he he had another throw early in the game to, to Callaway that was probably too hot, and he leads him a little bit more. Yeah, the first know. possession. Third, that was the third play. Of the yeah. Game, yeah, that one, and he's done that a couple of times where if he led a guy, it's probably a catch because uh, there was a play against Tennessee Tech where he didn't lead Javante Payton, the defensive, you know, the DB man play on it. Uh, and then there was a play right at the end of the first half when they went, when they went tempo and, and they had Bayless Jones down the seam. And he, from my vantage point, it was all the way across the field. It looked like he was pretty open and they just missed him. Uh, and so if you make that catch and he gets down there, then you burn a timeout and you got with six seconds, maybe you throw something quick to the end zone or a fade or something. Um, and, and maybe that changes the game. So those are probably three plays that, that, if you can get back, if you're hooker, you probably want it back. So, but the, the point being that he is, and I've said this and written this, he's capable as a passer. He can get the job done as a passer. It's not his strong suit. He's a better runner than he is a passer. He's a much better uh, passer when you're worried about him running. Right. Um, he's not going to, he's probably not going to go out there and light you up for 350. Right. I mean, he has how many career games at 300 yards? I have to go back looking and look. At his, not many. He's looking at his numbers right now. I think he has one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my, my only point. He has. Go, go ahead. One, one. Yeah, I mean, it was against Virginia in 2019. Just I not his game. game. Just not his game. I mean, I, I think my my, right. only, my only point with Milton is is this, Pat. Before we before we move on and, and wrap this up, I, I, I think the 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 simplest way I can put things regarding Joe Milton is that the talk about Joe Milton among at least a pretty good portion of Tennessee's fan base and the talk about Joe Milton within the Tennessee football program itself are two completely different languages. I'm not talking like, you know, Spanish and Portuguese where they're different but you can understand each other. The talk that I hear about Milton within the program still, even though it's a little bit softer than it was a few weeks ago, no question, but still, the talk about Milton within the program compared to the talk about Milton among the fan base, a lot of it, it's not the same thing. I don't know who's right because we haven't seen enough to know, but I might have to lean a little bit toward giving some benefit of the doubt to the people who are around him every single day and watch him play every single day. Right. I mean, you have people saying, I'm done with Milton, I'm out on him. That's fine. That's your opinion. You're, but behind the scenes, this coaching staff is not done with him. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and that's what matters. And, and like I said, even when he got hurt, Hooker came in and did some good things. The offense looked better with him in that Pittsburgh game with Hooker in there. Um, that, that Milton was still going to have a, 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 a role in Tennessee season, a, a part to play in how this thing goes. And lo and behold, two games later, Hooker gets hurt. I mean, this offensive line, you know, it, it is in the situation that it is. That, that's probably one of the reasons it's like this. Although, you know, it was a flea flicker he got hurt on, right? Yeah. That yeah, kind was. of a weird call at that point in the game. Um, 
you know, but, but Milton gets hurt on a play where his left guard gets literally thrown to the ground. Uh, you know, so that that's, and, and there's probably still more twists and turns and it's just, I know it's, it's gotta be grading on Tennessee fans. Cause it's been this way for four. This is the fifth year of this, right. Where they just had yeah. drama, a quarterback, they've had inconsistency, they've had injuries, they've had, uh, you know, some of these programs, you know, Tennessee is envious of because they have a quarterback that plays well, doesn't get hurt and produces. And he's the guy for, you know, that they were, they had this with Dobbs, right? He was so durable that you didn't even need the backup. It didn't matter because Dobbs was always there. And they haven't had that in five years because it was Garantano and Dormady. And then it was Garantano and Keller Christ. And then it was 2019. They started four guys. And last year it was, you know, it was Garantano and then it was not. And, you know, Maurer was the backup for a game in Arkansas that they lost. And then the last three games, they went to Bailey and Shroud after Shroud got kicked down to the, you know, he got kicked to the curb for like two months after he got two passes against Kentucky. So it's just like, you know, it, it, I get why Tennessee fans have so much consternation about this situation. Um, but, you know, they, they got to find, a, they got to find whoever's healthy. They got to, they got to take that guy and they got to go try to win with them, whether that's Hooker, whether that's Milton, whether uh, one of them's hurt and can't play, another one gets hurt in the game. They got to go to Bailey. They, they just got to find a way. Um, and, you know, and, and at, at this point, it looks like it'll probably be Milton, which, you know, that'll make a lot of people mad, but then let's just, let's see how it plays out, I guess. Yeah. Because I, I think there's just, um, I, I completely, to your point, I understand where the frustration comes from. That doesn't mean that it's okay to channel it the wrong way. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, pe- people can react however they want to react. That's their right. I, I just, I think it's our duty as people who are around the program a lot to say, this is what people in the program are still saying about the guy. So, you know, Maybe because th- th- this isn't one of those deals where it's like with Garantano at times where they would go into the season so many times saying, man, he gets it, he gets it. And then after a couple games, they're like, F, he doesn't get it. Um, but they need him, so they're still going to say nice things. But behind the scenes, it's like it's, it's driving them nuts. With Milton right now, yeah, there's frustration on some of the overthrows, but it's not to that level at all. And, in fact, I would say the just the general camaraderie within the – program right now is still pretty good in terms of a team that's taken a couple of L's already I I think their attitude uh, is has has been pretty good and I'll tell you Pat it's going to need to be because the way they play the tempo they play offensively you got to be all in man because you're going fast and you're going you're going to be out there a lot and as a defense you're going to have to know that's going to be that way so you're going to have to come with energy and effort and you're going to be on the field for 35 minutes plus pretty much every single game. Go look at Hypo's numbers the past three years and, and this year. They're always near the bottom nationally in time of possession. So you know that it's different mindsets, but that both of them require you to be all in because if this team doesn't have that, this thing gets really nasty really quickly. So they have to be all in to have a chance. But I think right now it still feels to me like they're, they're still sort of all in. Yeah, and, and kind of talking off that with specifically with quarterbacks, it sure felt like the team viewed Milton as their guy. Yeah. They did. Going into the season for a lot of the camp. Um it, it they just felt like that guys were talking about him publicly, privately. That's that's just kinda how it felt now has what he showed shaken that 
Maybe some guys. I mean, if I'm sure. Cedric Tillman, I, I probably got being overthrown five times, but he yeah. also got overthrown by Hooker too. So he's probably just mad at everything. Um, but at the same time, uh, again, like you said, the view on Milton is different from the coaches and the players than it is from the fans who have already, you know, we're done. We've seen enough. Yeah, I mean, I get the frustration. I get why it's there, but that doesn't mean that I agree with the sentiment. <laughs> and, and I will say this. I, I think if 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 all things were equal, I would probably feel better about Tennessee's chances against Missouri with Hooker at quarterback. Yes. Um, because I think he's a better runner. And I, I have some questions about Missouri's run defense. I, you know, Boston College, I think, kind of ran all over him, right? I watched some of that game. Yeah, they just come downhill Before, at you. BC just comes downhill at you. And... Yeah, I mean, Boston College ran for 275 and on 5.6 to carry. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would probably feel better about Tennessee's chances if Hooker is playing. It's a little dice, a little dicier with, with Milton back there just based on what we've seen from him. Uh, but Tennessee may not have the option. They, they may have to go with Milton based on Hooker either, A, not being able to play at all, or B, being available, but being available on – limited practice reps which is kind of the situation we saw this past week yeah and we don't we don't need to get into it too deep because we got to get out of here on time but uh i I do think that the situation with cooper mays is continuing it's going to be one they're going to have to monitor because there's a clear drop off when they don't have their best five offensive linemen in there when those when those five guys are in there and they're remotely healthy they're not bad they're they're okay uh when any one of those pieces is not available things get dicey in a hurry so that's going to be regardless of who's playing quarterback that's going to be something to monitor and i gotta tell you we're probably not going to know a damn thing until saturday probably right yeah and and at some point at least at the center spot you would hope jerome carvin has played a lot of football you'd hope that playing center in a couple of games now would help him settle in there and be more adjusted even though he may not practice there as much uh, I think the drop off though is at left guard if he's if he's not there because yes. I kind of went back and forth between Ollie Lane and Kingston Harris. Harris gets hurt, hurts his knee against Cincy Tech. I don't think he's going to be available. He wasn't. Uh, he was the only guy officially out um, after, you know for the Florida game, and um, I don't think he'll be back this week. So uh, it weakens two spots with, if Mays goes down. Um, and who knew going into the season that he would be arguably one of the most important guys on the offense? I mean. Uh, I think that that that's maybe a unique feature of this offense is that you need that center who's literally on the ball and just never tires. Um, and, and we should give May some credit because even in the second quarter, I, I saw him down there hobbling. You know, he's got a bad ankle. Uh, he, did he get his hand stepped on? Yeah, his, his, I don't think it was I, I think, his snapping I, hand. Yeah, it was his left. I think it was his left pinky that got kind of mangled at some point. So he had to. They had to kind of put a stabilizer on it, some tape and stuff like that. So to get it back going, so he's out there like the like the Black Knight and and Monty Python being like, "It's a flesh wound. I'm good." It's like, no, dude, you're playing really hard, but you are getting destroyed hey. now every snap because you can't move. So they had to make that change, but the, you could tell they didn't want to, and you could tell he knew that he didn't want the team to have to do that either because he's like, I got to stay in the game because I think he knows how important he is. I know he's a tough kid, but on the other hand, I think he also knows how important he is to the team. So he was trying to stay in there. Right. And, and, and kind of echoing this off the quarterback deal. I mean, the quarterback's got to, you know, they have to play at a certain level. They need help. Like they got to be protected. They can't be in third and 10 every, every down because they can't run the ball. And when they throw passes, they're catchable. Got to catch them. Mm-hmm. 
It sounds so simple, doesn't it, Wes? It does. It sounds really simple, but we have to leave it there because apparently it is it is not that simple. So we'll have plenty more to discuss Thursday. We got a lot to discuss with this matchup. We'll try to hook up with our boy Dave Matter this week. Uh, the the who who was by the way named the FWAA uh, beat writer of the year last week. So we need to get his autograph in addition to trying to uh, get him uh, in our better no fo piece this week on Go Balls twenty four seven. This is Tennessee's season, right? The, the there's three games or four games left on this schedule that will one hundred percent determine this season. This is one of those games. So there's a lot to discuss with it. Yeah, and uh, looking at Missouri's numbers, they gave up 341, 294, and 275 rushing the past week. So maybe Tennessee just needs to go single wing this week. Yeah, just give it. Wildcat. Give it to. Snap is a tie on every play. Yeah, just give it to that. That kid is rumbling, and he is – he he definitely. It's nice to for that that someone that we hyped up in the preseason might actually be as good as we said that he was. That's that's a nice change of pace because there's too, been too many times at Tennessee recently where we've gone, hey, watch out for this guy, and then it's like, what were we watching out for? So I, I think this might be a case where it is. But we got plenty more to discuss later in the week, and we'll be back Thursday, uh, if not before then, to discuss a lot of these things. You got anything else, Pat? Nope, I'm good. Let's roll. Let let us roll. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us. And there's the button. So we'll go ahead and get out of here. Guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. We say it every week, but we always mean it. We say it every single episode. Every two, three, four times a week you hear it from us, we mean it. Thank you for listening to this Go this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news on your feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7, and you can get tons and tons of stuff there throughout the day. But if you want that best, most delicious, just sparkling, crystal clear, beautiful, delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, you can go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job all year long covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. Got two forms that are running around the clock 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go discuss whatever you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, all five of us on the staff and thousands of Tennessee fans around the world. It's there no matter what time of day you're up, someone else is up on that board and is willing to talk ball with you or life or TV shows or whatever. You get all of that, all of that, that interaction with us, the interaction with Tennessee fans around the world, a couple dozen fresh content items a day, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That also gets you uh, the access to the best database, I believe, in all of college sports, too. So if you want to go fact-finding, you can go do that. Uh, or, you know, you can take advantage of all that for less than the price of one mediocre per month, lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. And if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount+, Plus, which is tons of stuff on there. You got live sports. Uh, Tennessee sports, Vols sports, obviously, SEC stuff, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, all of that, plus so many exclusive shows that are only on Paramount+, Plus. Uh, Evil, Picard, Star Trek, th- those sorts of things, lots of Mayor Kingstown coming up, lots of good stuff there, plus you get access uh, to lots of movies, fresh movies, old movies, old classics, and you get stuff from the vaults of Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon. That is a $100-plus commercial-free annual value that we give you 
for free, guys. I say, why do I say this every episode? Because it's that cool. We can give you $100 plus of an annual value in your pocket for free as long as you're a member with us. And I, and I don't know how long we're going to do that deal, but right now we're still doing it. And it's a permanent thing. As long as you're a member with us, you get that. I don't know if I can say that a couple months from now. I don't know if I can say that a year from now, but I can say it right now. So go to GoVols247.com, get one free deal, get one good deal, and one free deal. Can't beat that. Guys, if nothing else, you should hear from us by Thursday. Until then, please be safe out there. Please get that vaccine. Please be careful. Please wear masks when it's appropriate. Please, 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 guys, stop being rude to each other. We need to get out of this. Be nice to each other, for God's sakes. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.